My dear brothers and sisters, my spirit is subdued today due to the messages of this conference. And particularly is this so, after hearing the beautiful message and testimony yesterday of our associate, Elder Bruce R. McConkie. Elder McConkie claims to have the largest feet of any general authority. <laughs> he is a large man and a man by whom any one of us may wish to measure himself. Recently, I had the opportunity to visit the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah. Here, our missionaries who have been called to preach the gospel throughout the world are valiantly striving to learn the fundamentals of the languages spoken by the people to whom they will teach and testify. Vaguely familiar to me, were the sentences which I heard in Spanish, German, and Swedish. Totally foreign to me and to most missionaries were the sounds of Chinese, Japanese, and Finnish. One marvels at the total commitment of these splendid young men and young women as they grapple with uncertainty and as they accomplish the difficult. I'm told that on occasion, if a young missionary feels that the Spanish he's called upon to learn is just too hard, he's placed during the lunch hour next to missionaries who are struggling to learn the difficult languages of the Orient. <laughs> he sits and listens to their conversation. All of a sudden, the Spanish doesn't appear too difficult, and he's eagerly back at his work. There is one language, however, which is understood by every missionary, the language of the Spirit. It isn't learned by studying textbooks written by men of letters. It isn't acquired by reading or by memorization. The language of the Spirit comes to him who, with all his heart and soul, strives to know God and keep his commandments. Proficiency in this language breaches barriers, overcomes obstacles, and touches human hearts. The Apostle Paul, in his second epistle to the Corinthians, urged that we avoid the narrow confines of the letter of the law. He suggested that rather we seek the open vista of opportunity which the Spirit provides. I love his statement, the letter of the law killeth but the Spirit giveth life. In a day of danger and a time of trial, this knowledge, this hope, this certainty brings comfort to the troubled mind and to the grieving heart. In fact, the entire New Testament really breathes a fresh new breeze of hope and joy to the human soul. It seems as though clouds of doubt are dispelled by rays of hope. Sorrow yields to joy, and the feeling of being lost in the crowd of life vanishes when we remember that our Heavenly Father is mindful of each one of us. The Savior gave us that reassurance. He said that even a sparrow does not fall to the ground unnoticed by our Father. And then he completed the thought, Fear ye not, therefore, for ye are of more value 
than many sparrows. We live in a changing world, a challenging world. It's very easy for us to feel detached from the giver of every good gift and to be alone, if you please, to wonder really whether we walk alone. From the bed of pain, from the pillow wet with the tears of loneliness, we're lifted heavenward by that divine assurance, that precious promise, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Oh, how this knowledge is essential to us as we journey along the pathway of mortality with its many forks and turnings. The language of the Spirit rarely comes to us with flashing lights or with loud noise. Rather, it's gentle, it's quiet, comforting to the heart and soothing to the soul. Frequently, our prayers are answered and our questions responded to by silent promptings of the Spirit. William Cowper wrote, God moves in a mysterious way, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. I love that passage. I love the other verses, too. Doubt not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face. We watch, we wait, we listen for that still, small voice. And when it speaks, wise men and wise women obey. We do not delay promptings of the Spirit. To treat such a delicate subject, I have chosen not to refer to the experiences of others, but to share with you three events from my life. I know they are true, for I lived them. President David O. McKay referred to such experiences as heart petals, promptings from a heavenly source. First, the inspiration which attends a call to serve. Second, the gratitude of God for a life well lived. And third, the knowledge that we do not walk alone. Every bishop could testify concerning the inspiration which attends a call to serve. Frequently, as bishops, we discover that the call to a teacher or a leader is not so much for the benefit of the class to be taught or the group to be led as it is for the teacher or the leader himself. When I was a bishop, I would worry and I would work with respect to those who were inactive, those who were not participating. One day, I drove down the street where Ben and Emily lived. They were in the twilight period of life. The aches and pains of age had caused them to withdraw from activity to the seclusion of their own home. It was a weekday. I was en route to a meeting, yet I felt the unmistakable prompting to visit Ben and Emily. I parked my car, walked up the pathway, and knocked at the door. Emily responded. Recognizing me, she said, Bishop, all day long I've waited for my telephone to ring, and the phone has remained silent. 
I hoped that the postman would bring me a card or a letter. He brought only bills. Bishop, how in the world did you know that today was my birthday? I answered, God knows, Emily, God knows. <laughs> we then retired to the living room, and in a more sober mood, I said to Ben and Emily, I really don't know why I'm here today, but I did feel a prompting to visit you. Let's kneel down here in your living room and ask our Heavenly Father why we're together today. After that prayer was offered, the answer came. Emily was called to sing in the ward choir, indeed to sing a solo at ward conference. Ben was asked to speak to the Aaronic priesthood young men and relate to them an experience which I had heard in my youth, how a prompting of the Spirit protected him from mortal danger in his youth. Emily sang, Ben spoke, the members of the ward rejoiced in their return to activity. I think they rarely missed a meeting from that point until their mortal journeys were concluded. The language of the Spirit had been spoken. It had been heard. It had been acted upon. Lives had been blessed, and souls had been saved. For our second experience, a number of years ago I was in that beautiful Star Valley, Wyoming area, attending a state conference extending an honorable release to President E. Francis Winters after 23 long years of service as state president, this good man was being extended his release. He was a modest man by circumstance, likewise in his fashion of life. He was beloved. He was a pillar of strength in that community. As the people assembled for the conference, the building was jam-packed. The business of the conference went forward, and then I did something I had not done before, nor have I done so since. I turned to the congregation and asked, Will all of you who were given a name and a blessing, perhaps baptized or confirmed by President E. Francis Winters, would you please stand? A large number stood. I then said, Will all of you who may have been ordained to an office in the priesthood, or set apart to a calling, or counseled personally, or blessed in a time of illness by this good man, E. Francis Winters, would you stand? The result was absolutely electrifying. It appeared as though every person in that congregation stood to his feet. I turned to President and Sister Winters and said, we feel the Spirit of the Lord today, the silent thanks being expressed by each person who is standing is not only a tribute to you, it is an evidence of the gratitude of God for a life well lived. No person who was in the congregation that day will forget how he felt when he witnessed the Spirit of the Lord, the language of the Spirit. Third, the knowledge that we do not walk alone. Here in Salt Lake City, I have a dear friend. He was robust in health, athletic in build, outgoing in personality, on top of the world, and then a devastating illness struck him. 
He was rendered partially paralyzed, could not walk, could not stand. The best of medical care was provided, but no improvement was shown. By day, his wheelchair was his home. By night, it was the hospital bed. He despaired. One day, late in the afternoon, I was at the Deseret Gymnasium, gazing at the ceiling, backstroking length after length of the pool, and I felt a communication from a heavenly source. I felt within my heart the message, here you are, swimming almost effortlessly length after length of this pool, while your friend Stan languishes in his hospital bed at the university hospital. Get out of that pool and up to his side and give him a priesthood blessing. I exited the pool and I dressed and I hurried to the university. He was not in his room. I was directed to the swimming area where he was to have therapy. As I entered the cavernous swimming pool area of the hospital, the only person whom I saw was my friend Stan. He was seated in the wheelchair at the far end of the pool, right on the apron, looking dejectedly down into the depths of the deep water. I hollered out a greeting, waved my arm. Soon we were in his room and a priesthood blessing was provided. Eventually, feeling came to his feet and his legs. Then he could stand. Then he could walk with a cane. Then he could walk without a cane. Today, if you could see Stan, you would not know how perilously close to death he had lain that day in the hospital. He frequently speaks in sacrament meetings and bears testimony of the goodness of God to him. To some, he reveals the dark thought that was in his mind that special day as he sat dejectedly in that hated wheelchair looking into the depths of the deep side of the pool. He was contemplating an alternative to life. How easy it would be to propel the chair into the depths of the pool. No one would know. But at that precise moment, I happened to open the door, wave my greeting. You know the outcome. That day, Stan literally learned that we do not walk alone. That day, I learned a very important lesson. Never, never, never postpone a prompting. My dear brothers and sisters, as we journey through mortality, may we learn the language of the Spirit. On this Easter Sunday and every day, may we remember the gentle invitation of our Lord, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him. This is the language of the Spirit. He spoke it. He taught it. He lived it. May we go and do likewise. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.